0: And now we're going to the gospel according to John, chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Howdy. If I have not had the chance to meet you, my name is Bruce, and I'm excited to be here with you this morning as we get to encounter God's Word together. Before we get going today, I'd like to invite you to join me for prayer with a twist. I'd like to give you 20 seconds or so of silence and ask that you would invite God to speak to you this morning. So, go. Go. Holy Father, thanks for being a good and loving God. God, we ask that you would soften our hearts, that you would do the work of transformation this morning. God, I need you. God, we desire to hear from you this morning, so please teach us that we would be obedient disciples, that we would apply what you are having us learn this morning. Amen. Albert was asked to speak up in Albany this morning, so you got me this morning here. And as we get into the word today, we are going to be looking at authority and obedience. Let's start with the same words that Yusuf just read for us. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As humans and sinners, I think especially as Americans, it's natural for us to have all kinds of negative responses to commands. We find it very easy to rise up in opposition when those in authority give us commands. We find ways to water down commands, rebel against commands, question who's giving the command, And I think we even consider commands to be a form of oppression that somehow commands deprive us of our freedom, especially in the area of the country that we live, where we're known for being able to embrace any lifestyle, any way of doing things. We know what's best for us. We have the right to make our own decisions. We have the freedom to choose. But you know, it makes sense after all. Not only are we sinners, which means that this desire to be the boss comes naturally, but it is the foundation of our culture, right? Our country was founded in rebellion. But the thing is, as Christians, as Christ followers, we are called to a new culture, a new pattern of thinking. It's even right there in the term Christ follower. Jesus is our leader. Sometimes we talk a good talk about Jesus being Lord, King, Ruler, but deep down I think we still reserve the right to rebel when it's not something we like. We want to have a measure of control, and I know I struggle with this. This natural tendency to water down commands became very clear to me just a couple of weeks ago as I was starting to write notes for this talk. I found myself writing, Jesus calls us to... Wait a second. He's not calling us like somebody is saying with a loud voice and hoping somebody will... Here, he's commanding us to. He's giving an authoritative order. Oh, man, I'm getting off on the wrong foot myself. This is something we must do if we are to be his disciples. And as I was thinking about this uh, culture of rebellion and just the way that we tend to minimize authority, I came across a shoe commercial the other day, and uh, it started with a very famous athlete saying calling all troublemakers and then the commercial went on and it said things like obedience will be discouraged and patience rewarded It even included a shot of a star soccer or football player being awarded a yellow card for a foul and then winking at the camera like if you want to be a star player then respect for authority is not something that's a desirable trait I think this also takes us back to what Albert said last week. There's been a loss of respect or reverence for authority in general, and this bleeds into our relationship with God. In addition to the fact that we are raised in a culture of rebellion, I think we also have a hard time with authority because we often come across unjust authorities. Our life experience is filled with authorities who abuse their power, using their authority for evil when they should be using it for good. And while our response to unjust authority is a whole different discussion, I do want to acknowledge that it is real and present. And that's why context matters. In any discussion of authority and obedience, we must have a clear understanding of who that authority is that we're discussing. And in this case, if you say you're a Christian, that means Christ. He's our leader, our shepherd. He is in control. God is our authority, a loving God, that, like it talks about in Psalm 23, desires to lead us to the best places besides still waters, places of restoration, where we don't have to fear even the darkest places. That doesn't mean it will be easy, but it will be the best for us to help us grow and be shaped into the image and likeness of Jesus. And I want that to be our starting point today, a place of knowing that God is our loving Father, He wants the best for us. We are deeply loved. I want to lay a foundation for our discussion and talk a little bit more about God's love. I recently heard a sermon where the pastor pointed out that laws, commands, and rules are received very differently depending on who they come from. If commands are coming from someone that we know loves us, they will be received very differently than if they are received from some random authority. Context matters. In Exodus 34.6, as Moses was meeting with God to receive the stone tablets with the commandments on them for the second time, listen to how God begins to describe himself. Exodus 34.6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Numbers 14, 18 starts with, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Over and over in the Psalms, it describes God as loving. For example, Psalm 103, 8 and Psalm 145, 8 read, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. In the New Testament, in 1 John 4, 8, it says, Anyone who does not love, does not know God, because God is love. And then skipping down to verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the appeasement for our sins. And of course, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I feel like this verse we've all memorized or seen on a sign at a sporting event or whatever, but it's become so familiar that we've never stopped to actually think about what the verse says. I find it interesting that it says God gave his son. And as a father, man, I would find it incredibly difficult Probably unthinkable to send my son to go do something that I know would cause him pain, suffering, and death. I would rather do it myself. And it seems that John 3:16 is saying that God did the hardest thing possible, all out of love for us. I find that gives even more depth to His love. And many times we fall into the trap of thinking love is a feeling but it's not love is an action word i mean if i say with my words that i love my wife but i never show her affection listen to her take out the trash help her around the house anything then what's the truth i'd be saying one thing with my words and showing the opposite with my actions and that's one of the reasons that jesus is so important not only does God describe himself as being love, but he backed it up with action, sending Jesus to die for our sins. And so I want this to be our foundation, our starting point. God is love. God loves us with a greater depth than we can ever know. And he did the hardest thing possible in order to demonstrate it for us. And that brings me to my first set of questions for you this morning. Do you believe that God loves you with an action-filled love? Have you experienced it? Are there areas of your life where you don't believe that God loves you? And this is where I'd encourage you to put down your pen if you're taking notes and really listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So if we start from a foundation of God loves me more deeply than I will ever know and desires to lead me to the best places, then his commands should be received in a very joyful way knowing they are life-giving. If we truly believe these things, our thinking will begin to change. Then the question becomes, what do we do with that? God is a loving authority, and he does speak to us, are we going to obey? Are we going to allow scripture to have authority in our lives? Will we believe God when he says something to us in scripture? At its root, this talk is about lordship and the authority of scripture, Who is leading and setting the course for your life? Is God in charge, or is he an observer? Is he your co-pilot, like the bumper sticker says? Or should he actually be in the pilot's chair? As we continue today, and as Albert comes back to continue 1 Peter next week, will we submit to the things that God is telling us to do? This call to lordship has too many implications to fit into one sermon. But starting with today's passage, I'd like to draw out a couple practical things for us. Here in John thirteen thirty four and 35, we are hearing from Jesus at the Last Supper. This Jesus, born of a virgin, grew up with siblings, worked a job, and he has now spent roughly three years in ministry and is mere hours away from dying for the sins of the world. But before he does that, he sits down to have the Passover meal with his disciples, something also known as the Last Supper. Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet, and Judas has just left the room to betray Jesus. And that's the backdrop for Jesus' teaching. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. First off, since Jesus uses the phrase, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, it's pretty clear that this command is issued to those who are his followers. I think the question we have to ask is, why does he call it a new commandment? As I've studied and read, the consensus seems to be that it's a new commandment because it's the first time Jesus tells his disciples to have a special love for each other. Of course we should love all people. Jesus has previously summed that up for everyone in Mark 12:28 through 31 essentially saying the greatest commandment is love God and the second follows right behind it love others. But in our passage today, we have Jesus giving a new commandment to have a special love for other disciples of Jesus. And why does Jesus give this command? I think the answer comes from the context. If we back up a verse to John 13:33, we read, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. I think since Jesus knew he was leaving, he's giving us a command to be in community. He knows it's not going to be easy to follow him, And we'll need people around us to encourage us, to disciple us, to pray for us, to give us a kick in the rear when we need it, and then pick us up, give us a hug afterwards. As for application, I'll begin with this. The parking announcement that's been going on the last couple weeks, I was really impressed this morning. Good job. Good job. That was good. That was good. Keep it up. I mean, it boils down to parking a little farther away is a practical way of loving other followers of Jesus. I mean, week after week, imagine if people that don't follow Jesus come and show up and they find the parking lot half full and they come inside and there's a ton of people that are all awake because they've gotten a couple extra blocks of exercise. (laughs) I would imagine that they would wonder where everybody came from. So will we intentionally choose to do harder things like not parking in the parking lot as a way of loving your fellow Christians? Another point of application is being in community and serving. Jesus was giving this command in the context of community. He was speaking his command surrounded by people that he had spent three years investing in, training, teaching, laughing with, crying with, eating with, walking with, sharing life with and this command to community naturally flows out of who we know God to be because after all God exists in community father son and holy spirit as we read in Genesis 1:26 then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness god who exists in community created us as human beings in his image that we should also exist in community clues to the expectation for us to be in community together are all over the place. For example, Proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And I can't sharpen myself. So in Acts 2, it talks about Christians being devoted to learning, spending time together, praying together. Even the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6:9 starts with pray then like this, our Father, Our, even the use of the word our points to a communal relationship. Now I know that there are pockets of us that are practicing community, that are serving. That is great. Keep it up. It's sometimes a hard but yet a joyful thing to do. And I find that the things that God tells us to do and leads us through can be awesome, it can be hard, but they're always best done in community. And I find that shared pain really builds community. So if you need an idea, get a group together and go high afton. <laughs> Works pretty well here. For those of you who are going to call Region your church home and you're going to obey Jesus' command, then you must be plugged in to some type of community. How else will you know how to practically love your brothers and sisters other than being in community with them? And if that's here at Region, it will typically mean being part of a home group. I recognize that it's not for everyone, but it is a place to start. It's a place to go deeper with a smaller group of people on a regular basis, to practice, to discuss how to apply the things that God's teaching us. And the interesting thing is that as much as we try, we really can't do this on our own. And that's where the tension comes in. If it comes down to just try harder, if we're doing this out of obligation, it becomes religion. And the Bible is clear. Jesus was always pushing back against the religious types. We need to be transformed so that we see being in community and serving as a joyful response to what Jesus did for us. And that transformation comes from believing the gospel. The good news that Jesus did all the work in our place and on our behalf. And we are to joyfully and obediently respond And to the extent that we believe in what he has already done for us, we can begin to do that. Not only did Jesus die the death we should have died, but he also lived the life we ought to be living. And when we believe that, we are reminded that it's through his power that we live this Christian life. And while God is the one doing the transforming in us, Jesus was also very clear. He's giving a commandment. And the question that we have to answer today is, are we going to obey? We still need to put ourselves in a place where we are open to that transformation happening. And obeying is a form of trusting. In the book Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says it this way, a farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the plants, and the natural forces of the earth take over, and he comes up with grain. This is the way it is with spiritual disciplines. They are a way of sowing to the spirit, like Paul talks about in Galatians 6.8. The disciplines are God's way of getting us into the ground. They put us where God can work on us and transform us. It's the same way with this commandment from Jesus this morning. Obeying is a way to get us into the ground, a way to trust a loving God, that he will use our obedience to start working in us. Listen, we are a body. We're a family. And I desire us to be a strong family. if you want to commit here, we would love to have you. And if you are committed here, awesome. But there comes a point that you need to be investing in the life of the body, not just coming and taking and leaving. Of course, we want to be loving and serving those who are guests from week to week. But if you're no longer a guest, there is room for you to be serving, and as Jesus is commanding, loving your fellow disciples. You may or may not know that there are tons of serving opportunities here, both outward-facing ministries like Cross Streets, where We feed people breakfast on Sunday mornings. People go out Friday nights to minister to the homeless. Things like refugee ministries, teaching practical skills to those who are displaced from their home countries. There's also quite a number of inward-facing ministries, and you're experiencing some of them right now. Things like nursery, children's ministry, youth ministry, the cafe. How many people are holding a cup of coffee? Running sound. We even have a meal ministry where, if somebody has just had a kid, people from our body provide meals for them. And it's a way of blessing people, strengthening our community and following Jesus' command. And the list goes on. There are many ways for you to be investing in your family here at region, joyfully responding to what Jesus has done for you. And how does this all relate to Jesus? After all, we all want this to come back to Jesus. First of all, the background of this command that Jesus is giving is love. The love of God, God who loves us more deeply than we'll ever know and desires to lead us to the best places, but won't force us to follow. And this obedience that Jesus is calling us to, it is an obedience that Jesus first demonstrated for us by coming to earth and living a sinless life, even before giving us this command So the questions this morning are, first off, do you actually believe that God loves you completely with an action-filled love? Secondly, what is your attitude towards authority, specifically the authority of Jesus, a loving authority who first demonstrated love and obedience? And finally, if you are a Christian, how are you going to respond to Jesus' commandment for you this morning? It does require a response. Not a response of fear that this is the only way to stay in right relationship with God. A response of joy and gratitude for what Jesus has already done for us. So now we have time for you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart. And there are several ways to respond. First, you can respond with joy by singing and celebrating what Jesus has done as Jane leads us in musical worship. You can respond with joy and gratefulness by taking communion. If you're a follower of Jesus, examining yourself to see how you're doing in your relationship with God, then coming, taking a cracker and dipping it in the juice, gratefully remembering what Jesus has done for us. Additionally, you can respond in joyful worship through your tithes. And finally, if the Holy Spirit is saying that you need to respond to Jesus' command to love one another by being involved in a home group, intentionally investing in community. There will be people out in the foyer to talk to if you have questions or if you want to sign up. And if you are feeling like the Holy Spirit is leading you to serve your body here at Region, you can talk to me. I can direct you to the proper people. What does this boil down to? We want to be good disciples. What we learn, we obey. Jesus, our loving Savior, has given us command. Will we respond? Region, I love you folks. I desire for us to be transformed. I desire for us to be a light to those around us. And I'm confident that as we begin to obey Jesus' command for us this morning, that will begin to happen. Let me pray for us. Holy Father, thank you for our time here this morning. God, I ask that you would allow us to experience your love this morning, maybe even for the first time, if we have not experienced in a very real way your love for us. God, would you continue to teach us, remind us of the things that we've learned this morning? Holy Spirit, transform us. Jesus, thanks that your commandment comes out of a deep love for us. We ask that we would joyfully respond to that love that you demonstrated for us. Amen.